Hello, and welcome to One Single Thought, the podcast where two Christian single women take theological deep dives and bring perspectives on life, mixed with levity and joy. Anchors away, my boys, anchors away. Very good. Why are you singing? Well, that's the, you know what that song is? Yes, I do. It is Anchors Away, which is the song for the Navy. Yes. And my dad was a sailor. Oh. But also, because it's May, today's May 9th, but in the month of May, it is Military Appreciation Month. It is. It is. Thank you, veterans, and thank you, servicemen, people that are currently serving. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Because otherwise, we would not be living in freedom. So let me give you a little background, Heather, on Military Appreciation Month. So the U.S. introduced in 1999 Military Appreciation Month. Mm. And Senator John McCain, which we all know um, was a veteran, asked that it be designated every May to honor our veterans and honor our military in Military Appreciation Month. He wanted Americans to reflect on the sacrifices that have been made and are made by our soldiers, sailors, and all the current and former military personnel. So that is why we celebrate Military Appreciation Month. And that Mm -hmm. leads us to our guest today. Today we have a special guest, Heather. Tell us about our special guest. Well, I am very excited about this episode. Um, I, I mentioned it in the last one that this is an organization that I volunteer with, and it's a cause that's very near and dear to my heart. And today we're going to interview Kelly Oakley, who is on the board with Honor Flight Bluegrass. Rose will link all this information in the show notes, and we've talked about this organization before, but just to remind people, this is a local organization that flies World War II Korea and Vietnam veterans to Washington, D.C. for the day to visit their memorials and then come home at the end of the day. So it's a very long day, but it's a very rewarding day. Uh, It's the day that these veterans remember for the rest of their lives. There's also a larger network. So if you don't live here, you can look up your state on the Honor Flight Network page, honorflightnetwork.org which Rose will also link in the show notes. Yes, I will. You can look and find a hub near you if you have veterans uh, near you or if you have a relative in another state that might want to go on a flight. And we're going to talk a lot about Honor Flight, about what we do with Kelly. So we are going to jump right into that. And we are going to save the one single thought to the end because like what we like to do with our, our guests when we interview people is to pull the one single thought from their thoughts, their final thoughts. So we're going to wait and share that with you at the end of the interview. So Kelly Oakley, she's an Honor Flight board member for the past 10 plus years. She's been with Honor Flight for a long time. She is currently the chair of communications. She has served in the past as secretary. So she's been an officer of the organization, but a regular board member for many years. Um, She currently lives in Wilmore, Kentucky, which is where we know of Asbury University is in that town. And also the Thompson Hood Veterans Home. She's a Marine mom and a Marine daughter. She's the mom of two sons. She's a grandmother and has two granddaughters in Chicago. She's a graduate of Western Kentucky University in middle school education. And her hobbies are volunteering with her church, photography, and her photography is great, by the way. She also loves to cook and garden, and she does raise chickens. 
And she's very proud of her chickens, if you follow her on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, she does a lot, because she's very yes. involved in Honor Flight. She's so. very involved in Honor Flight. And she had a personal statement she shared, and so I'll, I'll read this, and we'll get to know her more in this interview. But she said, I'm blessed with the opportunity to serve with Honor Flight Bluegrass and meet so many men and women that have signed the dotted line to serve our country. Throughout the years, I've had the privilege to meet and listen to so many stories and capture their emotion through pictures and videos. Every story leads to an even greater appreciation for what our veterans have given for us so that we can enjoy the freedoms we have. And so, Rose, let's jump into this interview. I'm really excited to hear. We recorded this interview a few weeks ago, so we're going to jump right in and listen to that discussion. Yeah, great. Kelly, thanks so much for joining us today. We're really excited to, to hear about your role in and about the organization uh, of Honor Flight. So can you start by telling us about Honor Flight, what it's all about, you know, the organization in general? Absolutely. Um, it is a national organization and there's different chapters uh, across the country, but we fly World War II, Korean War and Vietnam War veterans to DC at no expense to the veteran. So now what is your role in working with Honor Flight Bluegrass, which is the the chapter that's here locally in Louisville, Kentucky? Right. Well, it's 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 changed up over the time. I was trying to think I started I was thinking about this today. I think I started in 2012 and actually went on my first flight as a guardian. And when I came back, I said I asked the chairman, what what can I do? I love this. Like it was literally the best experience I have had, uh, one of the best experiences I've had in a lifetime. And he said, well, I want you on the board if you're going to work. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not scared of work. And so uh, I got on the board, put me on as secretary. So, uh, you know, just done the PR part of it, um, the social media in, the secretary in, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm a regular board member, just a, a volunteer that absolutely loves it. That's great. So Kelly, you and I have worked for a few years together on, on the board, but then also just together on, on flights and, and volunteering and stuff. So I kind of know, but I'm just going to play dumb here. Can you talk to us about how an honor flight works, maybe specifically for honor flight bluegrass? What does a day look like for a veteran? Oh, wow. Well, they start about 4.30 in the morning uh, to get to the airport. We ask them to get there between basically 4.30 and 5.00. And they uh, meet their guardian and, you know, their family members are saying, have a great time. And we get on the plane and we tour, you know, Arlington, World War II Memorial, Vietnam, Korean Memorial, FDR, changing of the guard at Arlington, the Air Force Memorial sometimes. And we wrap it up probably about six o'clock, five thirty, six o'clock, get back to Reagan Airport and we eat. Everybody's pretty hungry. And uh, the stories begin. I mean, I think it's, you know, everybody's tired. It's funny. The guardians are actually more tired than the veterans. And then we present them with mail call, which is a huge highlight on mission day. And it just sort of keeps that momentum for like the next two weeks because they, you know, they have cards and letters that, you know, that they can take home and read. And then we come home and uh, we try to keep it from them, but sometimes the word gets out. When we arrive back to the airport, there's usually between 1,500, 1,800 people 
waiting for them uh, with flags and hugs and showing of love and appreciation as they walk through the hallway of flags and cheering on and USA. And they all of a sudden get, they get more energy. It's funny, the guardians are dragging behind them and they're just like (laughs) jogging through, you know, the welcome home. And um, it's real touching because it just makes you, it's a humbling experience. And I think I've, I think I have witnessed between 24, 25, there's never a time that I haven't been emotional. There's never a time that they're the same. I mean, it's just bizarre. You just pick up on, um, I mean, the whole flight day is always different, even though it's routine where we visit, but there's just always that new story or that different story. And then, but the welcome home is, Mm. I mean, the tears are flowing. Mm. It's, It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And it, what you typically don't see out in public or the media or anything, when you see that at the airport, that there are people that do care and that appreciate them, you know, it just gives you faith in the American way again. I've never personally been at the airport to witness uh, one of those homecomings, but I've watched the videos. Mm-hmm. And I also have to say, Kelly, I get emotional just watching the videos, not even seeing the whole thing in action. It is, it's, it's very emotional for me. Well, we're so going to get you to you... a welcome home. We're going to get you to a welcome home. Yeah, I need to. I would love it. I mean, that's... So you're going to have to come on the, the, you're going to have to come to the next one, Rose, because we have a church member who's going to be on our flight. Yeah. Danny Hazelrig is going to be on yeah. our, our flight. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, and Heather, I mean, she, that's how she got involved in on our flight was going to a, to one of the homecomings and just struck her heart and so I've heard about it ever since she got involved so yeah I look forward to that I will agree that um, I've been on six flights I think so far not as many as Kelly but I've been on several and I I ball like a baby every time I come back I'm the emotional one of the bunch (laughs) (laughs) but I definitely yeah I understand that that emotion there for sure so Kelly how how does honor flight recruit veterans how does that work Well, we've been really fortunate with the local media in Louisville. They have been very, very good to us. Uh, They're very faithful to um, Honor Flight. We always have a media person that goes on an Honor Flight. So you you can't buy that much advertisement, to be quite honest. Uh, We have a pretty strong following on social media. Um, We used to, and, and hopefully we'll get back to this, but we used to, you know, try to think, well, where do veterans hang out? So we would do like little gatherings at like a Cracker Barrel or Kroger's or, you know, a mission barbecue or or go someplace where we know veterans are. And we would talk to them, see if they've been on an honor flight. And if they hadn't, that's when we hog tie them, make them fill out an application and say, you're going. So we used to do a lot of that. But right now it's typically the media and social media because we do get a lot of we get a lot of attention that way. So you're talking about going around around locally to recruit veterans. We we I know we've even expanded outside Louisville. Um, we, we're bringing people from Southern Indiana and then uh, Western Kentucky. What are some of the other activities that we do? What are some of the things that we do around town other than the actual honor flight? Well, we I think this is where I brag on honor flight bluegrass a lot because I think we go above and beyond um, the actual mission. So we will do things like honoring D-Day. You know, we did a 75th anniversary, huge D-Day event. 
Um, we always recognize uh, Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day, so we'll gather our veterans then. And we bring the B-25 in. We've done a barnstorming tour uh, across Kentucky, and we fly World War II veterans in that. If there's a, a holiday or something going on, we just feel like that. And, and veterans love to get together. I mean, they just absolutely, you know, it's it's a brotherhood. I'm a little jealous because there's just such a bond uh, between them all. And they could be different branches, different ages, but there's that bond because they both signed that dotted line, no matter no matter what age they're at. So it's it's a pretty neat bond. So we just try to go that extra mile and, you know, do some other things outside of just the missions. Yeah, that that D-Day event, do you remember how many World War II veterans we had? Because that was the largest, wasn't that the largest gathering? Yeah, I think it was a hundred and or 109. I think it was 109. I think we had 116 RSVP and we had 109. And there there were some, there's a couple people that were way over a hundred that were there, I think. Yeah. And you know, you you lead into something else because we do birthday events. And so right now we've got there's Three, three World War II veterans getting ready to turn a hundred. One is at Thompson Hood, and they're running their own birthday drive. But we try to, even if we're not managing the event or the birthday card drive, you know, we try to showcase them on our social media. And then Albert West, who's he's been on an honor flight. Um, he's been to a U of L game when they honored World War II veterans. I can't remember if he. I don't think he's been on a B twenty five, but. He's been to a few of our events and he is amazing. And so his cards are coming to me and it's like, it's so much fun to get that many cards in the mailbox. I'm like, I should just like have birthday drives all the time because I know, you know, my mailman's working overtime, but it's just, you know, he's now he started to just put the cards in a rubber band and just stuff them in the <laughs> so we've got a little over 200 right now and still have two more weeks for those birthday cards to to come in you know we did a christmas cheer now i'm remembering all the things that we do but we do a, a christmas cheer christmas card drive because and that started when you know when covid was around and veterans were lonely and isolated and couldn't get out and so uh we tried to just collect 3,500 Christmas cards. That's all we wanted the first year. And we ended up with 23,000. And I ran everything through little Wilmore's post office. And <laughs> now they see me coming and they're like, yeah, we're closed. Because <laughs> they don't know where <laughs> <I'm going. laughs> So, so yeah, we just try, we try to stay in touch with them. You know, it's sort of sad. And, and Heather, you can speak to this as well as anybody. But, you know, you go on a flight with them. And you feel like sometimes you spend more time with them because of the hotel, you know, the ones that are coming from long distance. And and then you just like don't see them anymore. And so you just, you know, you sort of want sort of wonder. But so we try to have some events where we can all get back to get back together and listen to their stories. And that's one thing I love about what we do is that even after the veterans go on the flight, we still have opportunities to interact with them. I mean, we went down last summer, um, a couple of us and you, we went down to visit um, Bobby Dossie and his wife in, in yeah. Glasgow, Kentucky. And yeah. that was great. We built a relationship with this older couple, a Vietnam veteran. I think he's around 80. Um, they're both around 80, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and they're just sweet, sweet people. And it's just so, it's so cool to be able to maintain those 
relationships, but then also keep them involved because they just want to give back. And so that's really neat. Well, I think when they do that, you know, there's, I think there's healing involved in that. I mean, I think there's, you know, for a veteran to give back to another veteran, it's just a different, it's a different level. I mean, you know, we see a lot of veterans that have been on a flight uh, standing there at, at the welcome home you know, ready to welcome these, you know, these uh, new veterans home. And so it's a lot of fun. You know, we just, when we had the Pearl Harbor Remembrance event, I think we had, I think we had 13 or 14 World War II veterans. And and out of that, that was December 7th. So out of that, there was a connection made with Mr. Fawn and uh, Brent Casey. And he he got the opportunity to go back to Iwo Jima. And he just got back, right? Like, was it on Monday night? Yeah. He just got back Monday. And um, I mean, I'm blown away. He's 97 years old. And I don't know how many time zones he went through. I don't know how many miles. <laughs> but <laughs> he actually saw, didn't he actually see the flag planted? Yes. And he, and he wrote a um, poem about it. Yeah. I, I saw the flag at Iwo Jima. So, you know, and he's a uh, tough Marine, absolute tough Marine taught for 61 years. I said 62. He corrected me very quickly, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, I mean, how amazing. And when he left that, this is a God thing. When he left the Pearl Harbor event, his son had brought him up and his son and him were talking and, you know, was his son, Paul said, you know, gosh, dad, what else have you got left? He said, I'd love to go back to Iwo Jima. And then two days later, I got a call from Brent Casey saying, what was that guy's name? You know, he's at the, you know, he was at Iwo Jima Marine. And so I told him, I said, well, what's this about? He's like, would he go back to Iwo Jima? And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so then, you know, it just, so he, he actually went to DC in February, got honored and then went to Iwo Jima, um, 10 days, got to do Pearl Harbor, Iwo Jima, uh, Saipan, Guam, I forget all else that they went, but I mean, and Mr. Fawn, he's just like, what else do I need? And I'm, and he's a, he's a man of faith. If you could get him on your podcast. Oh my gosh. That would be amazing. He'd be a good one. He'd be a good one no doubt. Wow. That's, <laughs> so. that's such a cool story. You know, we know that Honor Flight has had a lot of World War II vets like Mr. Fawn and Korean vets now. But as those veterans begin to pass on, how do you see Honor Flight evolving with Vietnam veterans and then whatever the the wars are to come, like Desert Storm and that sort of thing? Um, How do you see it evolving as sort of the older veterans pass on and new ones kind of take their place? I mean, Honor Flight will be around for a long time because there's so many um, if the funding's there, there's so many Vietnam veterans on our wait list. I think we have, and Heather, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we have like 400, a little over 400. It's closer to 500, actually. It's pretty high. So I, if I'm not mistaken, last April was the first time that we had, we didn't have any World War II veterans fly. And I think there were seven Korean War veterans and the rest were Vietnam veterans. You know, I don't know if, if Honor Flight will dip into any of the other um, veterans from other wars, you know, I guess it just depends on the chapter. I'm not sure what Honor Flight will do, but it's going to take a while for us to just get all the Vietnam veterans on flights because, you know, we keep flying these veterans, but then the word gets out and the media does such a good job. And so more Vietnam veterans 
you know, they, they continue to apply. So I don't see that number dwindling down anytime soon. Mm. I, I know that within talking with Heather, some of the interesting things that have happened and stories from honor flights with the Vietnam veterans. I don't know. I don't know if I can explain this real well, because there's such a different, you know, when you come up on the World War II Memorial, there is just, it's majestic. We know we fought the battle. We won. You know, we're, we're we're not speaking other languages because of those men and women that fought in that war. And we knew why we were fighting the war. You go to the Korean War Memorial and it's 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 a bit somber, but there's still some strength there. Um, and it's sad because they do call that the forgotten war. And so it's a whole different feel. But then when you get to that Vietnam Memorial, the wall. It's tough. I mean, even if you're not a veteran, it's just tough because you just see all those veterans. I'd love to like get a story from each one of them because there's just a whole lot of emotion when they're next to that wall. And I think I asked uh, one of our other board members one time, I said, what is it about the wall? You know, they didn't make it majestic. And this is no offense towards that because it's, I mean, it's, it's amazing, but the way that it was, um, you know, the architecture and everything. And I asked Billy, I said, what is it that brings the healing? And he said, when you touch those names, you feel like that, you know, it just comes back and you just touch their souls, you know, it just, um, and so when he tried to explain it to me, and it's still a little difficult for me. And the only thing that I can figure out is that, you know, they not only lost 58,000 plus, but they came home to a very challenging, um, you know, a country that just didn't appreciate them and turned their back on them, to be quite honest. So um, it's a whole, the mission's very different with just Vietnam veterans. I mean, it's, the cool thing is though, and the positive is you see major healing. I mean, I never pay, I never take pictures at the wall. I just, you know, I mean, I take pictures every place else, but I won't go down there and take pictures in April. I think it's the first time that veterans had said, I want you to come down here, video, take pictures, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's hard to keep that camera still and take those pictures because it's hard for me to even see people cry because then I'm going to just cry right with them. But when you see these older grown men and, you know, they're 75 to 80 right now, some of them a little bit younger, but it's hard to keep from shaking. And you just want to hug everybody. You just want to say, hey, it's going to be okay." And the emotion down there is is unlike it is anyplace else. So I think these missions with just Vietnam veterans is a whole different ballgame. There was a veteran, Perry Brantley, and his wife who stayed at the hotel with us and his wife. Um she had something to say about when he came through the welcome home. Just that she finally had her husband home. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was her quote. She was just like, I, I, I finally had my husband home. And I'm like, and I think they had been married like what, 40 years, if not longer. I think they got married after he got back or something from Vietnam. Yeah. She said he, he had malaria when he got back and he just wasn't himself. And, and that was the first time that she really felt like he had come home since, since the war. Wow. Yeah. yeah it's, um, and you know, when you talk to the younger veterans, they are very appreciative to be uh, Vietnam veterans because they said, you know, it's because of how they were treated and things that went on 
that they feel like the country said, you know, we've got to do a better job with our veterans. So, you know, your Desert Storm, your Iraq, Afghanistan, they have a great appreciation for the Vietnam veterans. Well, you already got me crying, Kelly. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I'm holding it together because I can't, well, like, I just can't lose it. But yes. You- well, it's hard. I, remember, I know exactly what she's talking about. And there was that, there was that moment at that wall back in April where it was, it was just super heavy. And mm. oh, oh. It was, yeah, it was so heavy. There was a, there were two Vietnam veterans standing at the wall and they happened to be talking to each other. They were both looking for the same name. They did not know each other. So the one was looking for that name because it was his drill sergeant. And the other one was looking for that same name because I think he went to high school with him or something like that. And then, you know, then they bonded. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this this is all God stuff. I mean, you know, I'm obviously a believer and and those things, you know, it's part of the healing. And if there's a if there's a group of veterans that need the healing, it's the Vietnam veterans. No Mm -hmm. doubt. I think you mentioned it, but like I, I stay at the hotel when people come in from out of town. So another lady and I help help out at the hotel that we have veterans stay at. And so we get to get to know them a little bit. And there was, it's, it's really cool the day after the flight, because all these friendships have formed and they're just sitting around eating breakfast, talking about the trip and talking about old war stories and it's just really cool to be a part of and to witness that that to, that I think that the day after is definitely more emotional because you're so exhausted but it's just I think that's become one of my favorite times the day after the flight just to hear all their stories and what they thought of the trip and all that to your point you get to witness that healing you don't always see that healing on mission day I want to say it was the June flight, maybe, because there were like a group of six or seven of them that they just like, you know, I don't think they knew oh, each yeah. other, I'm not for sure, but they just like, they came together and they were laughing. I mean, you know, when, you know, there's healing taking place when there's just good, hearty laughter. That was yeah. the one with the brigadier brigadier general that was there, I think. Yes, they were yeah. egging him on and stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. he, they were constantly saluting him and <laughs> he was like stop (laughs) okay so kelly i'm sure a lot of people who have been listening are interested um, in what we've been talking about maybe people haven't heard about honor flight or maybe they live here maybe heard about it but don't know how to get involved but if they don't live here in louisville how can they participate in honor flight how can they get involved in an honor flight maybe where they live how do they find those honor flight hubs well you can go to honor flight network and um i think there's about 124 hubs i think i was just down in florida and they've got three or four hubs just in florida but you can go to honor flight network and they've got the chapters the cities and states I think there's very, very few states that do not have an honor flight hub. But, you know, if you want to volunteer at the best one, you're going to come to Honor Flight Bluegrass and <laughs> check out our check out our social media and our website. And I think, you know what, no matter where you live, if you want to just like feel like you're you're doing your part, mail call is just huge for a veteran you know, to take that time and sit down and maybe write, I don't know, 10 cards, 20 cards, whatever, just thanking them for their service. So we can get those to them when they're um, on flight day. 
I mean, that's a way that you can, you're having as much of an impact on that veteran as the rest of us are that are doing, you know, behind the scenes stuff because they, there's one, I'm trying to think, who is it? Oh, it's Mr. Mooney. He carries, I think it's a letter um, that a high school student wrote him when he went on his flight and he always has it with him. Wow. He's been in touch with her. I think I've got this story right. I think she ended up going into the military, if I'm not mistaken. He pulls that letter out every once in a while. I'm like, oh gosh, that's awesome. He is one of our World War II veterans who went, I don't remember what year he went, but he is now our veteran ambassador, him and another man who is a Korean War vet. They are our two, I, I don't want to call them masks, mascots, but it's kind of like they <laughs> are. It's, they're at everything. They have shirts they wear and they are the biggest spokespeople for honor flight. They love it. And they're, yeah. they're willing to do anything we ask them to do pretty yes, much. They do. All right, Kelly, this is going to be kind of hard. Maybe, maybe not. Can you think of one memory that really drives home why you volunteer with Honor Flight Bluegrass? Oh, man. Can I give you two? Yes. For one, my very first trip as a guardian, he was a World War II Korean War veteran. And it was actually, it was before Honor Flight Kentucky was established. So they picked up 25, started in Louisville, had 25 veterans board the plane, and then came to Lexington and had 25 veterans board the plane. And so I had no idea who my veteran was going to be. I just know Mr. Stan said, you're going as a guardian. And his name is Steve. And so we show up at the airport and, you know, I'm just like, I have no idea what to expect. So I go and find Mr. Steve and said, oh, I'm your guardian of the day. And we're going to have so much fun. And he's like, I don't need anybody. And I was crushed. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was just crushed. We ended up having the most amazing day. And when we got on that plane, I will try to keep it together. When we got on that plane to take off, he called his wife and his wife, he's a caretaker for his wife. His wife had had, she's got some speech, speech issues. She had had a couple of strokes and um, he's on the phone honey, I'll call you when I land. I mean, it was just like the sweetest conversation. And I still have the picture. I think I have the video too, but he's just looking out the airplane window and he's on the phone with her. And, you know, he's trying to just be Mr. Cool, but very, you know, talking low and discreet and everything. And we had a ball that day. I mean, and I couldn't keep up with him. He was running, you know, they said, (laughs) you gotta keep up with your veteran. And I was like, and I was breathing hard because he was, and he's a little fella. And he's just like everywhere. And I'm like, Mr. Mr. Steve, you know, we're going to get in trouble. (laughs) So we got back and then there's this welcome home at the Bluegrass Airport. And and I was part of that because I'm with the Patriot Guard as well. And so they had never had a welcome home. So if you can imagine an airport and it was a lot of it was a lot of the Patriot Guard and, you know, families of the veterans and everything. The Bluegrass Airport didn't know what to expect. So basically, whatever we asked, we got. And so my guy said, well, can we bring our motorcycles in? That, this would never happen at the local airport. Sorry. 
But they, you know, so you're, you get off the plane, you're walking in, there's all these people in these motorcycles with their flags and people cheering USA. And I'm just like, like, I am like pathetic. There's no makeup left. (laughs) And it was just, you know, and I'm just seeing Mr. Steve, like the smile never came off of his face. And we still talk to this day. And he went in on B25 and we're still trying to get to because we were having breakfast like once a month after that. So that's the short story of the of a memory. And I was I did. I got off the plane. I said, Mr. Stan, I, I, I'm in. Just tell me what I need to do. And he had he did not hesitate on all the things that he <laughs> wanted me to do. So it's it's OK. But I think if I look back right now, I would have never had the opportunity to meet the veterans that I have met that have made, to be honest, like a huge impact on my life. I mean, they just have. Keep it together. I'm going to try to talk about Miss Norma. Navy, tougher than a Midas muffler, just amazing. And her and I developed uh, a best friend relationship. And uh, when I lost her, it was excruciating. But I have the best memories of her. She was, I was traveling a lot. She was my go-to, I could call her at midnight and uh, we'd talk and uh, she'd fuss. She had that Connecticut accent, mm-hmm. but she was just so much fun. But she was, she had so much wisdom that I had never learned from any female in my life. And so blessed, but I would have never gotten to know her unless I met her on a mission. And I didn't even get to, I was the bus, I think I was the bus captain. Maybe assistant bus captain. I don't know, but I just fell in love with her. I wasn't even. I was mad because I wasn't her guardian. You know, when you meet Miss Norma, she's just like this magnet. And um, every time we got off the phone, she said, "Angels on your pillow." Mm. Never forget it. I still have her last voicemail to me on my phone. So that's how pathetic I can be. <laughs> So, you know, I, I just look at it this way. I would have never, I mean, look at all, you, I mean, five or six years of it, Heather. And you just look at, you look at the Mr. Moonies and the Pedros and the Ernie's and, you know, you just, you just would have never, they would have never crossed your path. And so I'm grateful. Oh, that's great. I that's... Compose myself. I'm sorry. Like, I got to take a second. I was like, whoo. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Well, and then I knew with Miss Norm, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, but I, I'm telling you, sir, she had like one of the most amazing impacts on me. Mm. It's, it's crazy. She was just, just tough and just funny. Her wit and her humor, like there was, you could have like the worst day and she would just like it, just one little thing and it, you just would be rolling in laughter. She knew how to make people laugh. She had a personality. She was a deaf interpreter for 70 something years um, for like the court systems, the Catholic church. Uh, Oh my gosh. Her and I had interesting conversations about the Catholic religion. (laughs) (laughs) She put me in my place quite a few times, (laughs) (laughs) but she, she just one of those women, um, because up until about 10 years, uh, you know, I didn't, to have a female influence in your life like that, I had not had. And she just, man, sorely missed. Sorely mm. missed. Mm. With Mr. Fawn, 
he's another one when, when he goes, cause I've been able to spend so much time with him. I mean, my son and I went down to his farm cause we're friends with his son, but Mr. Fawn lives in, I think he's been in that house since 1950 something. And it's so neat because when his living room is filled with trophies and plaques of like what he's earned, like during teaching. And then of course he's this, you know, world record blood donor. Um, They just had a conversation. Paul was telling me that uh, the blood center said, you know, look, you're getting, getting to the age to where you're probably going to need blood. And um, Mr. Fawn was like, basically what's your point and um <laughs> so he said i'm going to continue donating blood until you can't get any out of me <laughs> i was like go mr flan so he is um he's a poet lawyer poet yeah, lawyer. kentucky kentucky poet laureate um something that mr fawn i've not been able to get him to do is he just will not talk much about the war mm. he just won't but i think I think his healing has come through the poetry that he's written, you know, his teaching, um, his faith. And so I think he just focuses when people, you know, want to talk to him, he just focuses on what he did after the war, which is real interesting. But when I saw him at the airport Monday, I said, look, I'm going to ask a big favor. I asked if I could go down there in about two weeks and just journal and video his trip back to Iwo Jima. You know, so he'll have that and his family will have that because his eyesight's not too well anymore. So he doesn't write a lot of uh, poetry. And he said, I would never ask you to do that, but I am so thankful you offered to do it. So I'm going to go down there and do that because that'll be, I mean, can you imagine the emotion? I mean, he was was a Marine sniper um, at Iwo Jima. So I I cannot imagine what was going through his head when he returned Mm. 70 plus years later. You know, you're talking about how he doesn't talk much about the war. My dad, my dad was a World War II vet. Mm. Um, and he was in the uh, Panama Theater and the um, South Pacific Theater. Wow. Um, he was in the Navy. But he didn't either. He did not talk about it either much. But he was very proud of what he of what he did in the Navy when you would get to talk about it. But I think that's kind of common i think with some world war ii vets it is it's it's very common mm-hmm. it's very, very common and you know and that's and it's okay mm-hmm. i mean it, it's it, you know selfishly because we know we're losing them so quickly selfishly you just want to you want to get their story so their story just continues on and so that memory mm-hmm. continues on um, and the fact of what they did for all of us, but, you know, then I have to look at it in an unselfish way and go, you know, they, they deal with things the best way that they know how, and Mm -hmm. they did their job. It's interesting. I think Mr. Fawn, I mean, he's so like soft-spoken. I mean, he's just, he's just a gentle, gentle soul. And so it's hard for me to imagine him and war. Now I'm sure, you know, when he was a youngster that, you know, he was feisty and did what he had to do. But I think that he looks at it as, you know, I did what I had to do. I was fortunate to come home. But he just, you know, and I was talking to his son. I said, he said, Kelly, he just is not, he said, I I try to get some things out of him. And, 
you know, he just, but I think a lot of it's through his poetry because he has one poem about um, death. And so I think that that's his, I think that's his outlet. And he feels like that that's as much as he needs to, I mean, he won, you all aren't old enough to remember the, what was it? The $16,000 question, or I think it was back in the fifties or sixties. And like, he got on that game show and won $8,000. Oh, and that was, like, that was like two years sal- teaching salary. <laughs> so he, I mean, he is his living room, like seriously, all four walls covered in plaques and trophies. He's got bookshelves. Um, it's just, you know, and he can tell you everyone. He can tell you about every single one that he mm. got. That'll, that'll be a tough loss when he comes. And he's pretty feeble. I mean, I'm just at 97 to go that many miles. I mean, they went from Tokyo to back home in one day. <laughs> just like, well, and he looked pretty tired. <laughs> that's a tough trip for anybody, much less a 97-year-old. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. So, Kelly, if someone is a veteran or they know a veteran who would be interested in applying for for an upcoming mission, how would they go about doing that? They would go to honorflightbluegrass.org, our website. We have gotten with the times into where you can apply online as a veteran, as a guardian, as a volunteer. It gets you in our database and gives us all kinds of information and it's secure. And um, then the phone calls start happening and Hopefully we get you on a trip pretty quick. So you mentioned that, you know, you can go to the, the website. You can apply to be on a mission as a veteran, uh, as a guardian, which is a volunteer that is, goes with a veteran on the trip mm-hmm. or is just a, a, an open volunteer. Uh, what are some of the opportunities for volunteering that are available um, well, we have got several. So um, probably the biggest volunteer group is the ground crew. Uh-huh. And um, they put the welcome homes together. Um, actually, they work a lot of events, but they are really the backbone of the welcome home and getting that getting that prepared. And the morning of, there's, I don't know, what, 40, 50 ground crew volunteers out there, Heather, with their bright yellow shirts on. Yeah. And so, you know, they're greeting the veterans at the um, at the airport when they get out of the car, they're getting them in a wheelchair if they need to be in a wheelchair. They're, the ground crew is just really the the backbone. And I think people like that part of volunteering because you get to you get to be with the veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, then we've got the events and we've got the missions themselves. We've got we do books after each mission. And so you know, the behind the scenes of books and photography and newsletters. Golly, the list goes on. And I know that I'm leaving a lot of things out, but we welcome. I always say everybody on this earth has either the three T's, either time, talent, or treasure that they can give to Honor Flight. We welcome whatever they got to bring. And so to tie to the T, the third T, treasure, uh, how can someone donate? Obviously, these missions and events and things cost money. Right. So Honor Flight needs that support financially. How can somebody go about donating to Honor Flight? Um, well, they can donate online or they can reach out to us and, you know, we can do a check presentation. There's a thing that we have on our website now that's called uh, Wall of Honor. 
And so if you donate $100, then you can put uh, your loved one either in honor and memory of your veteran on the wall with like two or three sentences. Um, or you can just you can just make a donation. Our guardians have to pay, and that's considered a donation, but each guardian has to pay their way to go on the flight. It, you know, we would love for somebody to just say, hey, I'm going to go do this event for you and raise money. Um, there, there's just a lot of different ways people can give to us. And it's tougher times to fundraise. So, you know, we're, we're feeling that sort of after the COVID days, it, it's just been difficult fundraising. We would like to reach out to the corporations out there to uh, employee giving to just grassroots. Every dollar counts. The cool thing is with Honor Flight, we're all volunteers. And so it's like 98.1 or 98.2% of the funds that come in, that goes back to the veterans. You know, I've had an opportunity to work and volunteer for a couple of nonprofits and that number just doesn't exist because there's usually so many, you know, so many expenses. And so, uh, yeah, our functional allocation is is way up there, which we're pretty proud of. Yeah, we don't even have an office. Somebody was asking, can they send volunteers to our office? And like, we don't even have an office. <laughs> You're yeah, come we're to sitting in our office. My couch yeah. and- <laughs> Find yeah. them, out envelopes or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, we'll definitely put all those links in the show notes so that people can get to the, the Honor Flight Bluegrass site and find an Honor Flight in their area if they're listening outside of this of this area of Kentucky. Yes. Um, and also so they can donate. Well, we're going to wrap it up with one more question, Kelly. If you had one thought, and it can it doesn't have to be just a sentence, but just something to share with the listeners about either about honor flight or about just the experience of honoring veterans or something, just a one thought you could share with your listeners, what would it be? You know, I guess but just find whether it be through honor flight or not, just find some way to give back or show your appreciation to veterans. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um Obviously, I choose Honor Flight, and I think that's one of the best choices. But I think just find a way to thank them. Find a way to to give back to them in some way. Heather, that was such a good interview. I just love Kelly. Yeah, and it had me in tears. Me too. (laughs) I was very weepy. Yeah. So uh, if you all are out there, li- you, you listen to the interview, hopefully you had Kleenex close by because if, yeah. it doesn't take a lot to get emotional when you talk about the men and women who sacrificed for our freedom. Yeah, I mean, and if you, if you happen to be in Louisville or anywhere near an honor flight when they come back in on the night that they arrive back to town, I highly recommend you go out to the airport. It's going to be late. Uh, for our for our trip, we usually get back close to ten o'clock at night. Um, but it is so worth going to welcome them back because we have around a thousand people that come to the airport on these welcome home events where the veterans come back and we parade through. After we get off the plane, we come back through out of the um, exit. So it is something you don't want to miss. If you have seen pictures or watched videos of it, it doesn't do it justice it's something you have to be there to experience because the emotion will sweep you up and it's just it's just really cool and just being able to shake hands with a veteran and thank them for their service and welcome them home especially the vietnam veterans to welcome them back 
when so many of them didn't get a welcome home the first time. A lot of, to them, a lot of this is their welcome home from when they went overseas to serve. So I mm-hmm. think it's very important that we all have an opportunity to thank our veterans. And even if we don't do it um, at an honor flight event, what think of ways that you could do it. So whether it's, you know, you're at McDonald's and you see a guy in a Vietnam veteran hat, especially Vietnam veteran, go up and, and just say, hey, man, thanks thanks for what you did. Thanks for serving. If he, if he happens to share with you, you know, some vet, Vietnam veterans don't really want to talk about it. But if he's if he's grateful, just welcome him home. Say, welcome home, man. Thank you for, for serving. And there's so many other ways you can thank veterans, writing letters. An interesting story I just heard this week. My inpatient occupational therapist, Connie, is a good friend of mine. And I have shared with her before about Honor Flight. And she just told me this week that she was in D.C. recently and was Mm -hmm. there when there was an Honor Flight. So no matter where you are in the country, there's always a chapter that's probably doing an Honor Flight. And, you know, she was able to go and talk to some of the veterans and Mm -hmm. hear their stories. And they were obviously very open to share. So yeah, there's just lots of ways you can connect with veterans. Absolutely. So we're going to borrow from Kelly's final thought and say simply find a way to thank a veteran, Mm -hmm. find a way to thank them. There's easy ways to do it. You probably, you probably have a veteran in your family or you live next door to one. So just thank them for their service, find a way to honor them. And that's all we really can say about that. This is a great time to do it. It's Military Appreciation Month. Yes. Rose, what is our one random thought today? So my one random thought is, we're moving on up to the east side. <laughs> to a deluxe apartment in the sky. Ha, ha. Well, maybe not a deluxe apartment in the sky. But <laughs> my one random thought is, military families relocate 10 times more often than civilian oh. families. On average, military families are sent to new duty stations every two or three years. Now, in the military, there's an acronym for this. It's called PCS, Permanent Change of Station. Mm. And so that is when military families, when uh, whoever is serving in the military gets their um, notification, they're going to PCS somewhere else. They have to prepare for that. They've got to get their families ready and, and all of that. And there are organizations at every military post that help them adapt to that move. If you live in a military town, it's definitely a way that you could be plugged in by helping contact your local military yeah. organization there and find out, hey, how can I help the families that are moving in? What mm-hmm. can I do to help? Because honestly, I have friends that he's a retired lieutenant colonel with the army. uh, So he no longer has to worry about the PCS moving from place to place. But when their kids were younger, she homeschooled the kids and she really sought connection within Mm -hmm. that, that area of military living. And so really her outside connections really came from her church Mm -hmm. and then of course on post and so if you really are looking for a way to serve if you live in a military town that is a great way to do it Mm -hmm. Uh, because those families definitely definitely need love and need help well it's also a good reminder that 
veterans aren't all 90 years old. Yes. <laughs> there, there are many younger veterans who, who served maybe in Afghanistan or Iraq and who are now just working in corporate America or, or wherever, raising their families. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's good to remember that it spans all age groups and mm-hmm. that they can all use your support in different ways. And oftentimes when these military folks PCS, sometimes they could get get to their new station and be immediately deployed, Hmm. which then would leave behind, you know, a family. Yeah. Oftentimes a mom or a dad that is now a single mom or dad who now have to raise the children by themselves and do all of that. And that's really hard. And so if you want to find a way to help and serve the military, this is a way to do it with active duty. Mm Mm-hmm personnel and their families and again most of them are not they're not going to be somewhere where they have family or even maybe no friends outside of the military circle so that's one way that you can can serve as well so speaking of the military uh just proud aunt moment my um 18 year old nephew just about to graduate high school and is joining the marines he's going to go into boot camp in june so very excited and proud of him Go Joel, um, go. go Joel. So, all right. So Heather, what's our one Ricky thought today? I would like to tie this to some kind of military imagery, so I will do that. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare the catapult. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So to expl- I'm going to have to give you a backstory on this. So I was I went out of town and. And Ricky had cat sitters and people watching him for me while I was gone. And the first morning back when, the, when I came back, I was like a week ago, I came back and that night um, everything was fine. Got up in the morning. Ricky was being real sweet, you know, just really glad to have me back. He, he was so happy to have things back to normal, trying to wake me up early like he normally does you know, nuzzling me and, and snuggling with me like he normally does, like a little sweet kitty he is. And I was not having it. I'm like, you know what? I traveled yesterday. I'm tired. We need to sleep in. We're not getting up at whatever time it was. I guess it was like 530 or something. So I'm like, I'm not getting up yet. Well, whenever I ignore him, if he's trying to wake me up, he tries to think of other ways to get me up. So he began by... You know, I was laying on my back and I had my arm across my belly and he grabbed my arm, like wrapped his his arm around my arm and was like clawing me and trying to bite my arm. <laughs> and so I kind of like nudged him off. I didn't want to make a big deal about it because I didn't want him to think it was working. So I kind of just nudged him off. So then he leaped on my leg and tried to attack my leg with a little more force. He bit my ankle and... You know, I try not to respond. I just kind of left him. So then he goes to the foot of the bed to diagonally from where I was. So like one on the other corner of the bed. He then proceeds to launch himself <laughs> over the bed and land on my head. <laughs> that was the catapult. <laughs> the catapult. He launched himself on my head to wake me up. <laughs> he was, he wasn't giving up. He wasn't going to give up. And by that point, he had, he had scratched my arm earlier, and so my arm was on fire, and I convinced myself I was going to get cratch, cat scratch fever, because <laughs> that's what happens early in the morning when you're half asleep, and 
your cat's attacking you. Like something horrible is going to happen. I'm going to get some kind of fleshing bacteria if I don't get up and wash my arm right away. Because I'm sure there's <laughs> blood pouring out of my arm because he had attacked me. And of course, when I say he attacked me, it's like all... He's not doing it aggressively. He's just, you know, playing and trying to work right. me up. Anyway, so finally, I, I waited a minute. My arm is on fire. My head is tingling because he landed on it. <laughs> So anyway, I'm laying there, just trying to think of the good time to get up. And so finally I did, and it was fine. But I don't, I've never had a cat launch. And I keep saying launch because it that's was a launch. Long, I mean, that's a long distance. I feel like he literally had a catapult down at the end of the bed, and he, like, jumped in and let the spring go and just flew. It's like, how far, <laughs> like, do you think it was? I don't, I mean, the diagonal. Yeah, like feet wise, like distance two or from three one feet? corner to the other. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's. It's like five feet. Yeah, that's five feet's a long distance to. Yeah, yeah like he know. comes packing a punch coming yeah. from five feet. So. But I have to admit, I was laughing too because I was trying not to react. Right. But it was pretty funny. Like, did you seriously <laughs> just do that? <laughs> oh, he was not going to give yeah. up. What's your one single question? Our one single question today is name a memorable time you encountered a veteran. So Heather, I know you've got a lot. Can you narrow yeah. it down to one or two? I've got a bunch of them because of all I've been able to do with Honor Flight. But I can name a couple of them that kind of kicked me off into this passion of mine for Honor Flight. So actually back in 2006, I went to visit a friend in... Uh, Washington DC and we went to the World War II Memorial so it only been open a couple of years at that point and I remember um, we, were, we were walking around looking and everything and there was a veteran a World War II veteran sitting on a bench and we just and I forget what we were doing I think we were just kind of resting or something around there and we just started chatting with him and and I at this point I can't remember where he had served and all that but I just remember being able to tell him thank you and he was really moved by it when I told when I told him thank you. And it was really, I mean, I was at that point, I'm like, oh my goodness, I made him cry. Now I'm crying. And so it was, <laughs> it was just a special, it was a special moment. And I always remembered that. And so I think that has always kind of fed my love for, for veterans and, and what they've done for us. And then um, when I heard about Honor Flight, I'd seen it in the news and I was, interested in it but I never really did much research on it but I knew that they had these these big welcome welcome home events at the airport and I always wanted to go to one and I never made a chance never had a chance to go well finally several years ago I finally planned it and I said okay I'm gonna go to the airport and watch this because this is a big deal and I've heard about it and I want to see it for myself so I go there and the parking lot was jam-packed in the airport and we ended up waiting a couple hours for the, the flight to return, but so we're all sitting around and I ended up meeting in the crowd two Vietnam veterans who, they were just really fun. These They're in their 70s, these really great guys, and they, they really latched on to me and they, they talked to me and I, I learned all about them. And neither one of them had been on an honor flight or had planned to go, like they didn't really want to go. But they wanted to be there to welcome this mm. group home. And, and so I, I hung out with them for probably a good hour just getting to know these two older men. And um, it was just such a sweet time. And that whole that whole evening was something that really 
I, I was ready to go volunteer immediately when after that. Um, Is that when you filled out your? Actually, I think I filled it out before then, okay. but um, I had never actually. I never had an opportunity to get involved. I think I just maybe just filled it out or something, the application. But, but yeah, that was probably the moment that um, where I knew that I wanted to get involved with the group. So, all right, Rose, what about you? Do you have a do you have a time where you encountered a veteran that you remember? Yes, I have a couple. Well, I have a couple of things to share. One time that I remember was back in 2017. My friend Ashley and I had gone to see Wonder Woman, the first one, at a small theater here in Louisville, Baxter Avenue Theaters. And that was around the time that the movie Dunkirk was out, which is the movie that was the fictional mm-hmm. retelling of the invasion of Dunkirk Beach by the Allied troops. Mm-hmm. So as we, were, we went in, we watched our movie, we were leaving... There were all kinds of men coming in, like older men coming mm-hmm. into the theater, which I thought was really unusual because typically you don't see a lot of older men going to the theater. And as I was walking out, I had on my male high school t-shirt. Male high school is the high school I graduated from, but it was it's also one of the oldest high school in Louisville. So there's and, and at one point was all male, hence mm-hmm. the name male high school. So as I was walking out, this gentleman was walking in the door to to come into the theater. And I can't remember what he was wearing. There was something that denoted to, to me that he was a veteran in either a hat or a shirt or jacket. And he looked at me and he said, dear old high school. And that's what we called ourselves. Louisville Mill High School was dear old high school. Yeah. And that's the our, our song that we have mm-hmm. for the school. And I said, yes. And he goes, I graduated from Mayo High School in whatever year. And I said, well, I'm a graduate as well. And I said, what movie are you coming to see today? He said, oh, Dunkirk. And I said, well, you you all have a great time. Enjoy the movie. Um, it's good to see you. But I really didn't like probe to find yeah. out, you know, his story. But it just warmed my heart to walk out of the theater and see all these older men coming to watch this film that probably either they experienced, you know, secondhand or firsthand, possibly. I, I thought that was just really cool. As a as a younger person, they were probably coming to the movies to see something for a totally different reason than I yeah. would go to the movies. The other thing is, this isn't a time I encountered a veteran, but I could share what happened when people encountered my dad. So my dad was a World War II veteran. He was uh, in the Navy. He served during World War II in the Panama Theater and in the South Pacific Theater. And he was a mechanic on the ships. So he had his World War II hat, and any time that he would go to McDonald's with his World War II hat on, Mm. he always got a free meal. And they always thanked him for his service. And it didn't matter, young or old, the the workers there, they all were very respectful and thanked him for his service. You know, he never wore the hat to get free food. (laughs) But it seemed like every time he wore the hat, he always had Mm -hmm. people asking him about his service. Mm -hmm. And, you know, World War II veterans are not normally the type that will share a lot about that. Um, experience they're very private I think we talked a little bit about that in the interview Mm -hmm. and so um, you know being thanked for that was 
kind of humbling for my dad. Well, thanks you all for joining. Again, take time this month, especially Memorial Day coming up. Remember what people have done for us who sacrificed and didn't come back. But thank a veteran. Thank mm-hmm. them for their service. Um, find ways to thank them, whether it's a small thing or a big thing. Just show your support. Yeah. Yep. All right. We will be back in two weeks on May 23rd. And until next time, don't follow your heart, follow God. We hope you've enjoyed One Single Thought. Our theme music is provided by Lindsay Cook, and we're so happy you joined us. Please be sure to share this episode with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. We'd love it if you'd rate and review our podcast so more people can find us and join our tribe of listeners. 